Welcome to Almost Professional, a pre-professional podcast. My name is Brendan Sullivan, and I'm here with part two of my interview with Dr. Jody Dublin. Part two has it all. A doctoral degree, working on a dissertation, mentorship, finding employment after graduate school, and so much more. So enjoy! You mentioned that you took time. Did you take time off between the master's and PhD? Yes, I took two years off. Okay. And what did you do during those two years? So in my last year of my master's, I, um, in my last year I had to do an internship. The first semester was uh, at a domestic violence shelter for women and children with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And that was very challenging Um, Obviously, the subject matter is really taxing, Um, but I just felt that it wasn't I wasn't doing the people that were living there a service by working there. I didn't Mm. feel that I was able to make a difference. And that was really frustrating. Um, And so I decided to go to a uh, a. college Mm -hmm. and do some an internship there Mm -hmm. so that college experience was more like a student affairs type experience where i did half the work working in student affairs um, and student activities and then the other half in the counseling office mostly doing career counseling okay okay and oh sorry and then I got a job there. Oh, you got a, and then you got a job there. <laughs> yes, and I was doing housing. Stuff. Housing. So stuff, that's yeah. what I did uh, in the two years okay. between. And during those two years, I know you said that the PhD or doctoral work was something you were you were always going to do. Yeah. During those two years, when did you kind of start the actual process of applying for that program? Was it from the very beginning you were starting to put stuff together? Was it the second year of work? How did you get to that point where you were applying and entering a, a doctoral program? So. I really, after I finished my master's, I was like, I need a break. Like, I don't want to think about this, whatever. And so I took the year off. um, And then at the end of that year, I applied. Mm -hmm. Um, And I applied to two programs and I didn't get into either of them. And that was really devastating because that was kind of the first time in my life where I really like didn't do where I failed basically but mm-hmm. it is not even like a real failure so well, still <laughs> yeah it was really hard so I was like okay like you know whatever I'll take my year off and then I'll reapply so then I probably started like bettering my application around that same time I talked to my boss who was an alum of NYU's uh, higher ed program And she really helped me navigate a lot of the application processes. And she did some advocacy on my behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the second time around, I didn't apply for the PhD. I applied for the EDD, Mm -hmm. which is um, intended for people who are working, who have significant experience in the field, and who are going to continue working throughout their doctoral Mm -hmm. um, education. So... At the end of the second year, I suppose, that's when I applied Mm -hmm. and got in. And I started in the summer of 2009. Okay. And apart from kind of changing the type of program you were considering, was Mm -hmm. there anything in your application you changed? Like, did you reconsider statements of purpose or your writing sample or letters of recommendation? Did anything change about the way you presented yourself? Yeah, all of those things. So I think the first time I applied, I had asked... Two professors, I went back to the same uh, professor that I'd asked to write my graduate 
um, school application, uh, Dr. Maxine Jones, and then uh, Dr. Carola Suarez Orozco, who I talked about before as mm-hmm. a, uh, sort of igniting my passion for the subject matter. I asked her to do one. And then at this point, I also asked my current boss to write me uh, a letter of recommendation since I was working in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one change. Second change was I had someone read my personal statement, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I recommend because <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I didn't have anybody read my personal statement before, um, but my friend read it. And even though she hadn't been through a PhD program, she had really valuable feedback mm-hmm. for me. So did that. And then also I didn't, say that I had this funding opportunity. Um, the Gates Millennium. Yes. So I disclosed that, um, and I think that that was attractive as well. Yeah, because they may have had a reduced financial obligation to you if you were a doctoral student, if they knew you had some external funding to assist you. Right. So the EDD program especially is paid for by students, so mm-hmm. it's not funded. Mm-hmm. The PhD program, yes, they would have had to fund me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're in this EDD program. I am. Uh, Maybe walk through some of the requirements for the program. Did you have coursework, exams, dissertation? What were you expected to do to to finish this degree? So coursework, I don't remember how many credits, but I I did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did um, two classes each semester, including the summers. Mm -hmm. So the first summer, before I even started the program, technically, I did a statistics class and a class on the history of higher education. Mm-hmm. And then every semester I did two classes. Um, so that was the coursework. There was no comprehensive exam, but I did have to do a very rigorous dissertation proposal, mm-hmm. um, which was almost like a dissertation defense in a way. So I had to, I think in my second year, I wrote up my proposal and there was like a kind of committee that would ask me questions about what I was intending to do. And then, um, you know, and then I passed and then, you know, I, I could move forward with the rest mm-hmm. of my um, my work. So there was that involved. There was an actual project. Mm-hmm. So they called it like I think they called it like a portfolio or a project. The expectation was that this. Um, work was going to be about 30 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is in, a, in addition to the dissertation? No, this was the, the dissertation. Di- okay. Okay. They didn't call it a dissertation. Oh, okay. Um, but I rejected that, <laughs> and I did a full dissertation because I, it was really important to me to be able to communicate to people that I did um, pretty much the same work as PhD students. Mm-hmm. I think they had maybe two requirements that were different. Mm-hmm. And then, of course... Um, there was an expectation that the PhD would be more rooted in or the the work that they would complete at the end would be more theoretical and ours would be more applied. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to really show that I had done a rigorous, um, you know, rigorous research and stuff like that. And so my dissertation came out to be like over 200 pages. So wow. there was that. And then a the defense, you know, kind of a lot of the, um, the standard things besides the comprehensive exam as yeah. most doctoral degrees i want to go back to the dissertation proposal Mm -hmm. first of all what was the process of you formulating your idea for your dissertation topic you mentioned that you had some master's courses that really helped steer you in the direction of um issues that you know immigrants and children of immigrants experience in higher education Mm -hmm. 
were you kind of still keeping that with you? Did you build on that through coursework you took then in your doctoral program? Mm -hmm. How did you get to the point where you had a dissertation to propose? Ooh, uh, that was kind of a <laughs> long process. Um, just thinking about all the late nights and emails from <laughs> professors and things like that. Um, I knew that I, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. Mm. And the intent of the program was to um, study your school. Mm. So basically, whatever you're doing at work, like you're supposed to use that to build a study around. So, you know, different people in my cohort were doing things that related to their work. I didn't see something that I was interested in um, with doing my work. And I also was thinking about leaving the field that I was in anyway. So I wasn't interested in endeavoring on something that would potentially take years. And if I would have left my position, like, it would have been weird. So I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I know I want to work with social capital and I know I want to do something with immigrants. Beyond that, I'm not sure. So I talked to a few professors, um, one who was really just very gracious with her time. And she was a, a visiting professor, um, Lori Bartel Berenger, who had done work on community colleges mm -hmm. um, and remediation. And I took a class of hers called like the community college. And I really started to think a lot about community colleges and that as a, a place that I would like to do my research. I originally had wanted to do something at NYU with Haitian students, but the population of Haitian students was like microscopic. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I didn't get to do that research, obviously. So I knew I wanted to do that. And then I was just thinking about like, what was important to me? What, what is calling me to this research? And a really important and impactful time in my life was my college choice process. Mm. As I mentioned before, I always wanted to go to college um, ever since, you know, I was a little girl. Um, and so the college choice process was really interesting to me. So I thought about, okay, how can I combine all of these things together? And what I came up with was um, research on how Haitian immigrant community college students um, choose community college and what social networks they reach out to during that choice. This was around the time of the earthquake in Haiti that was mm -hmm. in 2010. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about, all right, so if people are, you know, leaving that site and coming here to the United States, like, what are they going? Are they going to college? Like, what are they doing? Um, and so that was kind of the impetus and why I felt that my study was important and timely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're talking already about the ways in which you proposed the importance of that study, too, as yes. you were kind of proposing your dissertation. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else in addition you, you kind of that stands out to you about having to do for that proposal, like additional research or, I don't know, some kind of strategy you had to put together for anything else about the proposal that, that you remember particularly kind of structuring and presenting your idea? Yes. So at the time, I had started doing research with a professor in Steinhardt, um, Dr. Fabienne Doucette, who worked with, her work was with teaching and learning, but mm -hmm. still with Haitian, um, Haitian identities. And so I spent a lot of time talking to her about, you know, different issues um, that I was having and how to formulate my plan and stuff like that. I was working with my advisor a little bit. 
but I still wasn't, um, it was really difficult. I just mm-hmm. remember it being like very, very, very difficult. Um, and so I don't remember a lot of details yeah. probably cause I've blocked them all up. <laughs> but, uh, I just remember it being really difficult and like talking or not even talking to my colleagues, but talking to the two professors that I knew and trusted, um, and looking at a lot of dissertation models and, mm-hmm. and seeing how I could formulate what I wanted into what was already existing and trying to follow that path. Mm. So did those professors kind of remain involved in your dissertation process throughout the dissertation process? <laughs> <laughs> yes, thankfully. Um, I continued to work with Dr. Doucette almost the whole time. Um, and then she was on my committee. I asked her to be on my committee. Mm-hmm. And then um, Lori Bartel Berenger also was on my committee. And I had a new advisor that I um, began working with. So those two women especially were very um, important and um, just really helped me like in really difficult times. Mm-hmm. Um, they suggested things. They just kind of told me like, no, you're not crazy. Like this is normal, like whatever it was um, for me. Cause that was like a really tough time. I've never had real problems with school. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like the first time where it wasn't like you can't add or like you can't solve for X or whatever. It was like, this is difficult, but I can't articulate what's difficult about mm. this. Mm. Um, and having those two women, um, to be able to talk to and be like, no, okay, you know, this is difficult. And here's, here are some strategies that you can use to navigate. This was super important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, do you feel like those were relationships? Like, I guess I'm imagining in some, some doctoral programs, those relationships are kind of provided to students as they walk in the door, like you're assigned to a person. Mm -hmm. It sounds like this was something you really had to kind of seek out and form yourself. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So I had an advisor that I was assigned to. I think you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah. um, Her work was a lot different from mine. She Mm -hmm. did more, like, different work. Um, I won't out her. Um, (laughs) But we... uh, I think it's difficult at the doctoral level to work with somebody whose work is different. Um, And so I worked with someone else who was also assigned to me, um, whose work was a little bit closer, but still not. So one thing I will say about, you know, thinking about the, the college choice process at the doctoral level is being really mindful of what you want to study and where you should be going. Mm. I went to NYU because I like NYU. It was close. It was familiar. But if I had it to do over again, I probably wouldn't choose NYU for the kind of work that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So So the fit between your project and the faculty that are available seems, in retrospect, something that's really important. Yeah, I would say it's probably within the top three things. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to people who are interested in doctoral programs now, that's something that I, I emphasize is make sure that you go somewhere where someone is doing work that you're going to be doing as well. Um, it makes a difference. Um, professors or you know advisors can point you in the right direction and really help ask questions that can help you to dig in deeper. So mm-hmm. Fabienne, as I mentioned before, did work on Haitian um kids and and had some familiarity with like Haitian 
heritage because she's Haitian. Um, and so the parts of my dissertation that dealt with Haitian identity, mm -hmm. she was really able to ask very pointed and um, and insightful questions and things like that. She was she was helpful with the whole thing, but um, especially with that. And I knew that I wasn't getting those questions from other people on my committee. Mm -hmm. Lori was really great with community college stuff. So she was able to ask me about that stuff. But the college choice stuff, you know. You were kind of in figuring out on your own. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, to the state, I mean, obviously I'm past, so it is it's it's beyond reproach but i wonder like if i had uh you know some of the the college choice scholars that i used in my dissertation mm -hmm. like what yeah. direction my research would have gone, in. gone in yeah i know the answer to this because i was in the same office as you but did you work while you were a grad while you were a dissertation um, while you were writing a dissertation i guess yes properly. i worked uh, I worked a lot, actually. <laughs> um, in my last semester, I had three jobs. Mm -hmm. um, my, let's see, what did I do? So for one part, I was working with Fabienne Doucette, like I said, and then the grant ran out and I was kind of on my own. So then I started working as an advisor mm -hmm. um, in the College of Arts and Science, and that was really beautiful. And um, what I liked about that job that I had was that I had to do a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. So I had to write kind of all the time, whether I wanted to, whether I cared about what I was writing about, whether I had a, a ton of information about what, I, like whatever the situation was, I had to write. Yeah. Um, and that really helped to train me for my dissertation, mm -hmm. which was like, just write, just, you know, set a timer just write, do a little bit, do a lot of bit, just write. Yeah. Um, and so that job really helped me with that aspect of it. Um, I also was a research assistant for an independent researcher for a bit. Um, and that was a story for another time. <laughs> um, and I worked at the Wasserman Center as a career development intern, okay. just, you know, kind of get a little bit more money and um, explore a different part of my portfolio that I hadn't explored in a while so those are my jobs and kind of talking about exploration do you feel those jobs helped refine your sense of the career you might want to pursue after you finished after you finished your um, doctorate yeah I really enjoyed advising mm -hmm. and so I was like oh well I would like to come back to this once I'm finished mm -hmm. um and I also working with Fabienne really got to see the um the aspects of working in faculty and things like that that were um, both attractive and, and challenging. So if I wanted to go back into academia in, in that sort of setting, like I got to see that as well. Good. And I guess speaking about what you did after you finished your uh, doctoral degree, what did you do after you finished your doctoral degree? What was that process like, finding employment? Oh, man. Um, so... That's complicated. Okay. Um, I graduated, but the summer before I graduated, I was uh, I decided to move back home to mm -hmm. uh, take care of some home situations that were going on in Florida. So I moved back, um, and that was really difficult because I moved without a job. And I looked and looked and looked, and it was really hard, and I didn't find anything in Florida. So I ended up finding a job in California as an academic advisor that was really beautiful and fulfilling. 
Um, and I stayed there for a little while, and then I got lured back over <laughs> to like a, like to a witch's oven. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to dear old NYU, um, and that's where I've been for almost two years. Good. Yeah. What do you feel like you gained from your doctoral degree, and what are some things you feel like you might do differently looking back, or or you know that you feel like were more complicated aspects of your doctoral? So what was complicated about the doctoral degree was that I, looking back, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't ready. And part of it was that this isn't, this wasn't my first choice. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a Latin American and Caribbean studies professor. Mm-hmm. And I think that was always kind of in the back of my mind is like, well, this is important. Like this will help you. This will, you know, I'm probably better off than if I just had a master's. Um But at the same time, like, I don't know if that's the best way to make a decision about going into a doctoral program. Mm -hmm. Um, And so things that I learned, though, were about writing. A lot of it was about, like, writing and, um, like I said, writing when you don't want to, writing when you don't have a lot to say, writing, just, like, kind of moving and, and, um, and that... Thinking critically, working independently. I were I wrote my dissertation over a summer, and as anybody can tell you about summer in higher ed, professors are not there. They're not around, <laughs> um, and so I would email, and you know, no one would email me back. So I really, ha- I was really on my own. So um, just being comfortable with working completely independently, not getting any feedback, and kind of just. Hoping for the best. Yeah. I mean, that's a valuable skill, right? The kind of independent work ethic. Exactly. You can carry it with you. I Forever and ever. <laughs> Wherever you go. <laughs> Good. Um, so in your current position, um, mm-hmm. working with kind of pre-law, students interested in business school, pre-professional advising generally. Yes. Uh, any kind of events or opportunities you feel like would be useful to students, maybe based on your own experiences yes. in graduate education? Definitely. So... I first have to say, like, even though this is wasn't something that I thought that I was going to be doing, I really love working with students. And I guess that was what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to work with students. Yeah. It's just the kind of medium is different sure. than what I thought it was going to be. And something that I found that's been very important is mentorship. Mm-hmm. And through the Pre-Professional Advising Center, there is a lawyer alumni mentorship program, um, which pairs juniors and seniors who identify as pre-law with current practicing lawyers and what that can do for students is really give them a real world view of what it could be like to be a lawyer even if somebody has a lawyer in their you know family or in their life or whatever sometimes it's good to see what other people go through um so i highly recommend that program and think that any junior senior in cas um, or even a freshman or sophomore start thinking about being part of this program there's no gpa requirements there's no um sort of you know you have to have you know five to seven applications for law school filled out no it's varying levels of interest in law school um and it's to really help you think about like is this going to be the right path for me and Mm. if it is like how can i go about it yeah and if it is the right path i mean being a lawyer is 
largely about building a network of yes. people you work with, people you maybe go up against in court with, but <laughs> have professional relationships with it's to true. do that as productively <laughs> as possible. Yes. Um, and it's always good to start building that as, as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I highly recommend. I mean, even if it's not this, there are tons of other mentorship programs, but I would say that mentorship made one of the the biggest difference in my in my journey i remember like almost walking away and being like when i was uh, all but dissertation abd um i was like you know what i can leave and i don't feel bad about this and uh one of the professors i was working with was like come on like come on we can get through this you can get through this come on yeah. so i highly recommend um everybody get a mentor good and you can learn about Lawyer Alumni Mentorship Program and all of our wonderful pre-law events. At, it's pre-law, P-R-E-W-A-L, L-A-W, God, P-R-E-L-A-W, I can't spell, dot C-A-S dot N-Y-U dot E-D-U. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Um, good. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank Kimmy. you. I appreciate this opportunity.